Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 168 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walquist, and I just spilled a beer all over my shorts. Good work. Thank you. Uh, uh, I'm Jesse. <laughs> I'm not a pirate. I'm a hooligan Wilson. Not a pirate. You're a hooligan. Very hooligan of you. You know, only a pirate would, would say something like that. <laughs> That's... That's the catch twenty two. Did you oh, hear about those Greenpeace? The Greenpeace thirty? No. They got arre- arrested for trying to board a uh, Russian um, oil platform. Uh huh. And uh, they got arrested by the Russian government, and mm. they were re- initially charged with piracy, <laughs> but it, it got bumped down to hooliganism. <laughs> oh, it's arrested development. Uh, <laughs> you could make a uh, yeah. development episode about that. This is the story of a man who had to keep his family together because they were eco terrorists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you just call Greenpeace eco terrorists? I don't know what I called them. <laughs> oh man, uh, Jesse, how was your we week? We just lost all our Greenpeace. We list. just lost every single Greenpeace. List. It was like fifty nine percent of our audience have been looking at yeah. the demographics. I have um, a lot of downtime. Yeah, <laughs> boat, boat trips up to, uh, yeah, uh, to the Arctic Circle, and you know, training yourself to a nuclear power plant and mm-hmm. everything. Sitting up in a tree. Yeah, a lot of podcast opportunities. <laughs> God. Yeah, so I, I hit the play button on the music here, and then I took a swig of my beer, and then my beer said, "I'm so excited to be drank, and I'm going to go everywhere," and then came all the way out the top, and then volcanoed. Yeah, is it why is like I don't understand why some beers do this, some beers don't do it. Oh, there's a lot of factors. What type of beer is it? Let's get into what are you? Yeah, what are you drinking this week? I'm drinking the Full Sail Wassail Winter Seasonal. Mm. Um, Full Sail, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, brewery of 2013. They're killing it, man. Their LTD series right now is a Black Box, which I really want to try. Um, yeah, but this is their wassail. Delicious. I also uh, got to try some Slayer this weekend, and I really enjoyed that. It's oh, winter seasonal yeah. season, baby. Slayer's I, good this year. See, I had the Jubilee, and I wasn't a huge fan of no, it, but I I'm a just Jubilee. not a huge Jubilee fan in general. I'm not a huge Jubilee fan either, and that's weird because we're such big fans of Deschutes. Right. And we love Twilight, and, you know, it's... it's the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um... But, yeah, I don't know. Jubilee just never really does it for me. I had it this year, and it wasn't undrinkable, which it has been in past years. Yeah, it's it's totally serviceable, yeah. but I don't know. Just not my thing. But to answer your question, mm-hmm. usually when you get a gusher, it's because it's a bottle-fermented beverage. Mm. But it's always it's a, always a pressure thing. So all bottles and all, all packaged beers pressurize for a uh-huh. variety of region, reasons. It's usually around, like, 15 pounds. But um, if, for whatever reason, it's overpressurized, which could be equipment failure or it could be um, the guy left the pressure <laughs> on the tank too long right. and it got too high, it can just become too pressurized. And then when you pop the top, it uh, equalizes, so to speak. Well, see, this didn't happen when I popped the top. This happened when I drank it for, like, my third sip. So oh, yeah. Maybe, a- and also, like, sometimes when you – if you put it down too hard, you know mm-hmm. how, like, if you clink the top of someone's beer, it mm-hmm. makes it foam? Mm-hmm. Because the CO2 literally just got shaken out of the solution and 
shoots upwards to freedom and onto your shorts. Well, I know what my kid's doing for their first science project. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're skipping right past the, vol- the, the vinegar and baking soda. We're going straight yeah. to the beer volcano. It's the same reason when you shake up a, uh, a beer, you know, all that CO2 yeah. just got released and then it goes... <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, what are you drinking this week? I haven't actually cracked it open mm. yet, but I got the Alaskan Freerider uh, APA. Oh, I love that. I really enjoy that. You know, the thing is, so I went to Safeway mm-hmm. because there was the threat of a uh, grocery worker strike. Right. And I was like, oh, God, I need to buy beer. Otherwise, I'll only have my homebrew and all the free beer I get from work, which is an infinite amount, but I still panic. <laughs> okay. The beer so, panic of 2013. Yeah. So I uh, I was like, I'll get a, a variety one, so I'll have a variety of different flavors. I got the Alaskan one, and it's like, it comes with the amber, the wit, the, uh-huh. some, the some, uh, something else, and Brewer's Choice. I was like, oh, I really like the Alaskan winter brewed with spruce tips. I'll... That must be what's in there. Mm-hmm. Got it home. Free Rider APA. Which I think was their summer seasonal or maybe even their spring seasonal. Yeah. I, I want to say it was their summer, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I felt a little ripped off about that. <laughs> you can't, you can't, uh, you can't squabble over the, uh, the brewer's choice. dude. It is the brewer's choice. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> You it get didn't what you say get. accurate seasonal. It uh, did say brewer's choice. And it's your fault for buying a sampler pack. I don't hate sampler packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that when you get the Sam Adams cherry but blueberry sour. The, the Sam Adams sampler pack it's always has a disgusting option. The, the worst. It's tradition. <laughs> I am very excited about these winter seasonals that are rolling out. I haven't seen Celebration yet, which is always a perennial favorite for mm-hmm. me. So. Yeah, that's true. My Celebrations peeled. usually release later in the season. Yeah. I uh, One time I was at the... This happened like a few years ago. I was picking up a six-pack after work, and I used to work right next to a Safeway. So I go to the Safeway, <laughs> and I look in the beer aisle, and I go, what? And I grab <laughs> the Celebration now, because it was the first time I saw it that year. Uh-huh. And then this guy was like standing there, and he goes, well, I guess I'll get that one. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm going to dedicate this show. I don't know. Do you have a dedication? Don't no. step on your dado. I'm going to dedicate this show to uh, the United States phone system. Oh, yeah? For bringing beautiful voices to our ears each and every week. And this week, we got quite a few of them. <laughs> That's not a thing. The phone system. There's a, there's a, it's a thing. You walk, you drive down the street, there's a bunch of phone lines everywhere. I don't think it's called the United States phone system. <laughs> well, it should be. And, uh, it, I mean, it is phone system day, after all. Um, mm. It's also Mole Day. We're recording this on Mole Day, 1023. And it also is uh, our buddy Jordy's birthday. Yeah. So, happy birthday to Jordy. Covered in moles, he is. He is. He's very moly. Um, and he's also covered in Mexican chocolate sauce. Uh, anyway, uh, wow, we got a slew of, uh, of voicemails this week, so we're going to start it off, and, oh, God, Texas, you just love to call us, don't you? Oh, we're going to start it off in Texas, here we go. Guys, you wanted a drunk dial, boy, do I have a drunk dial for you, <laughs> right now. This is Sean, oh, I'm getting another call, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Sorry to let you down. The drunk dogs are cut short. Uh, by the way, I wasn't the guy that said 
get off my back first, like you said last time. But I was the guy that said, get off my Scott Bakula. So, guys, stay arrogant and get off my Scott Bakula. <laughs> Sean from Texas, get off my Scott Bakula. Man, I, now I'm really curious what he wanted to call us about. I, I wish that he would call us back. Oh, wait, what's this? Guys, it's Sean from Fort Worth again. <laughs> Sorry, my wife was calling to see what I wanted from In-N-Out. She's buying me In-N-Out on her way home. But guess what? She wouldn't be buying me any hamburgers if she knew I drank the last of her chain, chain breaker. And you know what? I didn't even realize chain breaker was from Deschutes. Eric's favorite brewery. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Can't believe we can get it down here in Fort Worth, Texas. Anyways, can you guys guess what I do for a living? <laughs> I make salsa. <laughs> get off my back. Bye. Wow. I I love it when, when you know, when we get to know our listeners a little better. And now yeah, I know I mean, who to talk to if I have any salsa questions. Josh, thank you for following the protocol and uh, and bringing us a drunk dial. I think we actually have, uh, interestingly enough, another drunk dial from Texas. So... <laughs> Texas really knocking out of the park this week with drunk dials. Let's let's hear what Josh has to say. Eric, Jesse, <laughs> this is the original Joshua. Josh from Texas. It's been a while since I've called in. Um, I keep continuing here this uh, "get off my back" slogan that you guys adopted, and uh, I. I'm being pressed, and it gets me, you know, cracking up every time I hear it. I've got other friends that uh, I've recommended to you guys. They bring it up. They pick on me also. But i got to be honest with you guys, man, that was coming from the heart, man. <laughs> you, know, you guys, my first original call, y'all were begging for people to call in. I don't think anybody had called in yet. I tried to call in. Y'all said that I was talking through a raccoon's ass and that I should call from a landline. I so. I came back and I kind of explained myself and at the end I said, get off my back, which I say that whenever I feel like somebody's hounding me. But uh, <laughs> anyways, there you go. I'm hearing it from Germany to, you know, Washington. So it's crazy to hear that, but I love it. But officially, uh, get off my back. Seriously, guys, come on now. You are killing me with this. But uh, keep it up. Keep up the good work, and I guess, I don't know, that's about it. Keep on trucking. You keep on trucking, Josh. Keep on trucking, Larry. Dude, Josh from Texas, so this is it. Uh, we, we, we thought that it was not Josh from Texas. We thought it was Sean from Texas, but apparently it's Josh from Texas, the originator of the Get Off My Back, and I think we have to put Josh from Texas into the Personal Air Hall of Fame. Oh, definitely. Because... Come on. Not only is Get Off My Back now the, the greeting that every single listener calls in and finishes their call with, but also it spawned a podcast, Get Off My Running Back, which is my football podcast, which will be available tomorrow. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a huge deal. Josh from Texas, officially inducted into the Personal Arrogance Hall of Fame. He also said something else that was great that first time he called in. He said, I literally had to pull over and kick my own ass. <laughs> Oh man, the the slogan master himself. He's a regular Don Draper. This guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, we got a phone call. It's a little closer to home. Here we go. 
Hey, Jesse and Eric. Uh, this is Kevin from Seattle calling. And I was just finishing listening to episode 165. And I, I think that getting in an internet argument is worse than getting punched in the face. And uh, I had a suggestion here for you and then a question for you. Uh, first suggestion is I think that we need to form a special team on Reddit called the Personal Arrogance Brewery Strike Team, a.k.a. PAPS, uh, because we're hipsters and we don't mind getting in your face. And uh, uh, whenever something happens and the Personal Arrogance crew is getting stepped on and trolled by all the know-it-alls and jerks on Reddit, that we can just kind of pull the PAPS together and uh, attack as a team. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Um, Second thing was a question. Uh, so I had some buddies show up out of town to come to PAX this year. And um, wouldn't you know it, the first thing we did was we went into a vendor uh, a vendor area, one of the rooms where they're doing demos of their games and stuff. And this is from a pretty reputable, reputable game company. I'm not going to trash them by calling them out here, um, you know, by their name on, on the podcast. But uh, the experience that we had, we were beta testing a game, and it was probably the most awkward and horrible uh, experience to have on the first day of a gaming convention, um, thankfully we had other experiences as a group that were a heck of a lot more enjoyable. But I was curious if there was ever a time when you were trying to introduce somebody to the, the joys of board gaming and that whole uh, attempt just flew right out the window and fell on its face as you were doing that, uh, if you had any kind of cool stories to share about that. So anyway, um, hope you guys uh, stay arrogant and stay off my back. You stay off my back, Kevin. Stay off my back. Keep on trucking. So, first of all, this Paps thing, I mean, I love the sentiment. I love the idea. But I feel like the only way to defeat trolls is to never fight them. Mm. I learned that from but Sun that's, Tzu. That's not even... <clears throat> sure. That's true. <laughs> but if it's like... If it's not someone who's necessarily a troll, it's just mm -hmm. someone who's wrong mm. and thinks they're right, right, but isn't trying to just troll you, then you, you might need to call in some backup. That's true. And I mean, you, you could have different tactical strikes. So first of all, it could just be an upvote, downvote. So right. you upvote your, everybody upvotes your post and downvotes his post <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> immediately. Boom. That's a tactical yeah. strike. That's a surgical strike. Sometimes you got to go in there with, you know, the shock and awe, though, which is just a lot of comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I but who that. knows? Because you could, you know, get bogged down, get embroiled in the conflict for, you know, it could be months, could be years, and then it just drags <laughs> on forever. I've, uh, suddenly, every, the public is turned against you. So you really have to be tactical in the way that you use this PAPS team. I love it. I think our... Uh... The personal arrogance Facebook page is a perfect springboard for this. If you're getting if you're getting bullied online, <laughs> yeah. post it, and then the personal arrogance community can love rally. It. Just well, post a link and ask for help, and uh, pass and just hope that you're not arguing against another member of the personal arrogance community. <laughs> oh, no, that could cause a civil war. Civil war, and then uh, and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. And then second of all, yeah, the main thing here with board gaming is that if you are – so he's talking that there was an individual room here. And I don't know – I can't speculate as to which individual room here. But, I mean, like Fantasy Flight has their own room there at, pa mm -hmm. at PAX. Um, but if I'm trying to introduce – Fantasy Flight immediately sprung to mind. Yeah. And I think there were a couple other game companies that had ones there. But if, 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 um, if I'm trying to introduce people to board gaming, I'm not going to take them to Fantasy Flight. We need to ease into this. Yeah. <laughs> you need to bring into this world. So, like, you know, of course, you know, you get your gateway games of Catan and Carcassonne is a great gateway game. I think you want to start there and uh, 
I don't know. It's it, it, it it's 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 a really sad thing because board gaming is such a wonderful thing, and people have really quick knee jerk reactions to just about everything nowadays. Uh, so you want to kind of ease them into it, but that's just kind of a bummer for you, man. Yeah, one time I was playing a game of Axis and Allies. I was really excited. Mm-hmm. This was up in Bellingham. I got a bunch of people who are interested, and um, <clears throat> I spent like <clears throat> the like the hour or so before everyone showed up to set up the board and get everything ready. And then people just talked the entire time. I didn't even get through one turn and I was pretty defeated. I was like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. That's the worst man, especially. And then also dude, if you're, if you're out there and you're learning a new game, don't be a dick. Listen to the rules. Yes. Yes. There's nothing I hate more than having to explain the rules multiple times just because you weren't listening. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, and then also it's if you're explaining if you, rules, if you need it, you didn't understand it, obviously. Right. But if if it's just because you're blabbing, right? And then you you want it explained on your own terms. Because guess what? Stuff. I want to have fun with you at the table as well. Like, <laughs> let's get through the rules part. I know it's kind of a drag, but right. You know. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kevin, that I feel is the worst about, about games is. When you got a game that's got that's really complicated, just getting through the rules and being mm-hmm. like, "I promise, guys, this game is going to be fun." <laughs> yeah, I promise it's yeah. fun. Yeah, but I got a forty-five minute spiel first, <laughs> so that everyone goes into it prepared. So, yeah, get out your three ring binder and pencil. <laughs> Let's do this. One, two, three. Eyes on me. <laughs> I'm talking. One, two eyes on you. Um, All right, and then finally, we got a great call here from Boston. I'm very excited about it. Here it is. Hey, Dan. This is Allison calling out of Boston. Um, I've been listening to probably the last seven or so episodes of your podcast. Um, It was due to the crossover questions that you guys did with my favorite gals at the Because Show, Um, and I really loved it. So I listened to your episode to hear your answers and. the festivities are awesome, but I feel like they kind of punted on your getting ladies to drink beer question because, as you may have noticed, they are ladies that don't drink beer, and so they didn't <laughs> feel like they had good answers. Um, I am a lady that drinks beer. I love it, and I have a couple suggestions. Uh, I don't do marketing. I'm not in the beer industry. I just like beer, so you can take it for what it's worth. Um, the first is beer kind of has a reputation for being growed out. Um, it's not accessible to women. I think that a lot of women are intimidated by it. Um, so if you did, maybe follow a little bit of the example from, there's a place called the Pretty Things Beer and Ale Project that I really love that's Massachusetts-based, and they have T-shirts that say, stay pretty and drink real beer, and they have really cool sort of, um, you know, logos and stuff that just make it a little more accessible, and it's a husband and wife team, so there's sort of that feminine touch to it. Um, so more ladies brewing beer and selling beer to the ladies, always a good bonus. Um, the second thing you can do is go to where the ladies are and offer small samples, so maybe salons, maybe spas, maybe, I don't know, uh, boutiques, shoe stores, just go there and people are not going to turn down free booze and, you know, the ladies might taste something that they like. Uh, the last thing is that for beer geeks, sell beer to your girlfriends. Again, sort of touching back up on the broad out thing, beer tends to be a thing that a lot of guys do with other guys. Branch out. Next time you get a bar with a lady friend, 
you know, have her try a craft beer, you know, and uh, explain to her the nuances of it and get her a little geeked out about it. Because honestly, that's how I got into it, was having good guy friends that sort of showed me the way into great beers. Um, love your show so much. Not so much on the video game stuff, but everything else is pretty rad. Uh, and uh, get off my backless cocktail dress. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Get off my backless cocktail. Get off my backless cocktail. It might. Don't you snag this? Don't you ruin this for me, Jesse? <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like her point about go where the women are. That's a good point. I also like. I I don't really understand the bro thing. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned from watching football, it's that beer commercials are not catered just toward men. Yeah, there's all those ch- hot chicks and bikinis in the commercials. <laughs> How is that not inclusive? <laughs> I think it's totally true. I mean, I know, like, I know women, you know, especially here in Seattle that are very big beer fans. And it's like, you just got to try this stuff. I think, you know, making, like she says, unbrowing it and just making it a product that is delicious and diverse and and uh, it's something that people can appreciate on a face value, I think, is like a huge barrier right now in the beer world. And I think that's something that the craft brewing industry is making headway at is like yeah. not is, bud lighting it, it up, you know. It, it isn't, it isn't. Like, there was a, a brewery, I uh, I can't remember who, I want to say it was out of Texas somewhere, mm-hmm. that just got accused of, like, supporting rape culture, mm. because on its, like, on its blonde lager or whatever, it's like, she goes down easy. Oh, God. And it's like, I, I mean, the craft brewing community is just as vulnerable to cheap. Uh, sexist tactics as the macros are. Well, it's so. true, but and uh, kind of a problem with that too that goes along with that is that you are competing against Budweiser and you're all in it together. So when something like that happens, it reflects poorly on the entire microbrew industry because yeah. it's, it's you against the big guys. I agree, yeah. and I think it is. I, I I would like to see the craft brewing industry really step up and mm-hmm. uh, show initiative and in being inclusive and. Yeah, I really think that the just going going to where women are and yeah. offering free samples that's a great start. That is a great and, start, and it just uh, make will make people think you know next time when you it comes to purchasing whatever you feel like drinking that night you know hey mm-hmm. I remember drinking that IPA I really enjoyed it so I'm gonna pick that up. I uh, I'm excited to see what Russell Nisha does with her her home brews. Uh, she's gonna go straight into cooking meth. I think she's gonna just- <laughs> She's hey man, that's a, that's a fifteen million dollar a year industry. Okay, so why don't you? She can she can pull in the big bucks there. Uh, uh, brings a hundred in America, a hundred billion dollar a year industry. Oh, I was talking fifteen million dollars for the cook. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad. Oh, lately. have you? Yeah, and I fucking love it. Oh god, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, and then it's great because I can listen back to the uh, the Breaking Good podcasts, right? Uh, while I watch, while I while I buzz through the whole thing, I'm already like halfway through season four. So, mm. oh my goodness, it's a great show. All right, well, let's get this show on the road. What do you say? Oh wait, we have a little bit. We have a little bit more listener mail. So, just want to touch on this quickly. Uh, first of all, the Pico Brew. Are we going to talk about this later in the show, possibly? You know, let's. Can we get to the rest of the mail later, maybe? Yeah, we got a lot today. We do. I I just want to buzz through this real quick. Okay. 
For, and then we got Hot Babe J wrote in. He said, I was wondering if you two enjoy quoting any famous phrases from movies or TV shows. These are oftentimes uh, good for a laugh at parties and hanging out with friends. Here are three of my favorite. Resistance is futile from Star Trek. Your powers are weak, old man. From Darth Vader from Episode 4, which I really like. And then, well, 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 Hans from Die Hard. I want to hear your favorite lines. Uh, basically anything from Kung Pao Under the Fist. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's a lot of nuts. Stars above. Uh, yeah, stars above. <laughs> I, I I do a lot of uh, Futurama quotes. Yeah, <laughs> I find myself quoting saying, um, "Men love it when you really glob it on a lot." <laughs> Men love it when you really glob it on. That guy so he sounds like um, sounds like John Lovitz to me. Okay, uh, and then finally <laughs> uh, the to- the ten types of beer craft drinkers. I think that this needs to turn itself into a topic later. But uh, but Jr., thank you for setting this in. We will yeah, talk it's about really that. funny. I got a I got a laugh reading that. I don't I don't quite fit any one of those. Mm-hmm. But you might disagree. I didn't see podcaster on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to a little tiny bit. Roll off. We're going to roll twenty set of dice. See who gets to talk first on the podcast this week. And here we go. Uh oh. Uh oh. Russell Nisha. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Also, uh, Russell Nisha popped my D20 into her mouth the other day. I was mm. a little bit worried. Choking hazard. 11. Roll to 7. J-Dog, you're up. All right. The streak is over. Mm-hmm. So um, a very important holiday is approaching. Correct. I know you like it. I like I it. it. My daughter loves it. Because it's her birthday. Because it's her birthday. And that's great because I'm now excited about Elsa's birthday every year because now it's a costume party. Yeah, I know. Right? It's a lot of fun. And there's gonna it's gonna be a costume keg party also. Are you spurious, dude? Britney Spurious. Lydia and I have her costumes and pretty good. Is is she gonna be Robin? Yeah. So she got all worked out and it it's an awesome costume. Batman and Robin. Are you serious? Yes. That's great. It's so good because she's like she, I'm a foot taller than she is, <laughs> so it, yeah. it literally looks perfect. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, so um, with the uh, Halloween rapidly approaching, mm-hmm. you gotta buy candy. You gotta mm-hmm. buy a uh, costume, right? And costs can add up. Totally. I I have to buy birthday presents for my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an article in the nydailynews.com mm-hmm. about uh, best ways to be cheap on Halloween. Okay. So I thought maybe we could go through some of these. Let's do it, dude. But first of all, what are you? What are you going to be for Halloween? So I didn't. I didn't say what I was going to be on this podcast, but I'm going to be Batman. My wife is going to be Robin. It's amazing. Right. <clears throat> um, I don't know yet. Maybe by the Ooh. end of this, we'll figure it out. That happened to me last year. We went to Value Village a couple days before the Halloween and just let the thrift store speak to us and yes. walked out of there. We walked out of there as 80 skiers. <laughs> That's good. Like from Better Off Dead. It was perfect. There's always ski equipment. Yeah, there's always a ton of ski equipment. And then there were like mullets in the wig section. Yeah. It was Ski, good. Skiing's one of those hobbies that I'm never going to get into. It's just <laughs> a black hole of dollar bills. It really is. It's just if you're going to be a skier, that's like your thing. Like, you yeah. just, that's all you do. <laughs> like, that's all you do is ski. I also don't get why there are so many skis in Value Village. Mm-hmm. There's always a ton of skis. It's like, are skis made in the 80s, like, bad? Totally Should, bad. Like, skis seem like pretty simple technology. <laughs> Dude, those are those are like those are like really old skis, man. <laughs> but I mean, 
would they still work fine? I have no idea. <laughs> but that's this is my philosophy. Like when I go golfing, like all my golf clubs are from Value Village. So yeah, like that's the true. there's a bunch of golf clubs too. Yeah, the woods are all made out of actual wood. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're just old thrift store. Like people died, and then they gave you know their all their golf clubs to Value Village. See, are these people dying though, or are they upgrading? I don't think they're upgrading because they wouldn't have clubs that were that old if they were like you. If you have wooden woods, like <laughs> you're not a, currently golfing. <laughs> yeah, but it's also possible like. You're like, all right, I'm going to buy this other uh, set of clubs. Right. I want new clubs because mine are so old. But I'm going <laughs> to hang on to these ones. Right. Just pull them in the garage. And then 20 years later, you're like, I'm never going to use these again. Yeah. Let's give them to some guy. And I do. I'm, also, I'm buying another set of clubs. I don't need three. I do have like an, a really fun idea for it's called the Valley Village Open. And <laughs> what I want to do is everybody gets $10. And you have to go to Value Village and buy all your golf clubs for ten dollars. Uh-huh. And then you go to a golf like a municipal course and you can only use the clubs that you bought. No, okay. And the Here's- kicker is is that you can also buy other things to hit the ball with. <laughs> it, but it has to be from Value Village and you can't spend more than ten dollars on everything. That's funny. I like I thought that you would uh go to Value Village, grab the clubs and just start playing in <laughs> In the store. It's a good way to leave Value Village very quickly. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I, worked, I worked at a thrift store, and you had to be pretty, pretty bad to be requested that you leave. I mean, there's literally people stealing there 100% of the time. And, and, people, and the, the employees know it. 100% of the time shoplifting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a hundred. They've reached a hundred percent shoplifting. I should shoplift more when I go to Value Village. Popping tags is a real thing. That that's no lie. Oh, I didn't understand. I didn't realize that that's what that meant. Mm-hmm. Stealing is popping tags. You're popping the tags off of it, and and then you're like, yeah, it didn't have a price, so it's ninety nine cents, right? Well, that's what the thing that I hate the most about thrift stores is that, like, if it doesn't have a tag on it, then they just put an arbitrary price on it, which means that you should be able to haggle. Everything's extremely arbitrary. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what are we? What, are we talking about Halloween? We're talking about Halloween. <laughs> right. I might go as a Value Village golfer. Yeah, or a Value Village employee. <laughs> I think I have my Goodwill name tag somewhere. There you go. So number one here is make your own costume. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've... I've definitely never bought a store-bought costume. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't... I don't really do that. And sometimes I go elaborate. I feel like when you're past 12, you're not allowed to buy a costume Well, anymore. and plus it's a waste of money, dude. Like, you can get a much cooler costume much cheaper... Right. Than, ...than buying that polyester crap from... That's in a plastic bag. Yeah. That's like <laughs> $65. Yeah. <laughs> It's like and they're ridiculously bucks. expensive. Yeah, like I, so. Last four years, I was a Ghostbuster, and then I was uh, Steve Jobs, and then I oh, was right. uh, an '80s skier. And this year, I'm Batman. I made all of these co- costumes from the ground up. My Batman costume is pretty legit, and and it is much cheaper than buying like an authentic Batman costume. Right. Yeah. And like my Ghostbusters costume, I just went to the Army Navy surplus store and got a a brown um, jumpsuit. I remember I was there. Yeah, and then uh, and then I was able to go on eBay and get a Ghostbusters custom made patch that says Walquist on it, 
and it's like the same patch that they have in the movie, and I got Walquist printed embroidered on it for four ninety five. That's pretty sweet. And then just sewed that shit on. And it's yeah. a good looking costume. It cost me like twenty five dollars. That's pretty legit. Anyway. But it's not sexy enough. Well, it, I cut out the crotch. <laughs> it's crotchless. Just a big hole. Yeah, just a giant hole. <laughs> uh so number two is use items you already have at home. Okay. And they have um so I don't know where this quote comes from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Any anyone can stick uh, step into the craziest outfit in the house and call themselves Lady Gaga. Real simple magazine suggests <laughs> um, throwing a bike tire. <laughs> Sorry. Throw a bike tire around your neck, stick a thermometer in your mouth, and call yourself sick and tired. Bump, bump, bump. Mercury poisoning, guys. <laughs> or staple torn newspaper to <clears throat> old clothes and call it breaking news. Mm. So here's one, Eric. Uh, you're you're will be rife. You'll, you're you're a prime candidate for this one. Okay. Trade costume with friends. Oh, I like this. The old costume swap. Yeah, you want to be a walk with Ghostbuster? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think next year I'm gonna be a seven foot tall walk with Ghostbuster. <laughs> I think that maybe I should be less personal specific with my costumes. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, I got a, I got a whole Black Batman thing. I got my Steve Jobs get up. Actually, yeah. I think I might have gotten rid of that. I don't know if the Steve Jobs one will be quite as good. <sighs> it's still good, man. <laughs> you got to get the silver hair paint, though. Yeah, that's the that's the crux of the matter. And I bought some. Uh, that was another one. It was like twelve dollars for the for the black crew neck turtleneck on Amazon, and then I bought Santa Claus <laughs> glasses. <laughs> For four dollars, that's Steve Jobs' costume, and then I just tucked in the the thing to some jeans and wore my running shoes, and then I was Steve Jobs. There the whole costume was like less than twenty bucks. That's pretty good. So uh, number four is go generic on candy. Okay. O- ouch. Yeah, because I mean, kids are gonna hate you, but they're gonna hate you for like thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, number five DIY decor. Did you make any Halloween decorations this year? I did not. We were going to have a party, but then uh, it was going to be at my sister's house, and then she has to work on Halloween, so it didn't work out. Oh, bummer. But I really wanted to do the whole spiderweb thing. So they're just saying use real spiderwebs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Spiders are free and abundant. <laughs> just Find- fill your house with spiders, and then Find- your house will be super creepy. <laughs> Find the nearest um, pile of rotting leaves. <laughs> Fill your house with creepy spiders. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's just like some dude in, in his kitchen like breaking open a spider nest and being like, make my decorations. <laughs> oh, dude. So here's a helpful tip. He's like, Shop I'm gonna, in November. Sorry. Shop in November? Uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks, List. I'll keep that in mind for next a year, <laughs> over a year from now. I'll tell you what. I started making my Batman costume in June. Uh, I know. You wore your... Uh, mask at my wedding <laughs> that's true i got my mask the day of your wedding <laughs> we just happened to be driving by the post office and i picked it up and then we drove to your wedding yeah so seven <sighs> is don't buy loads of candy okay um check mm-hmm. avoid specialty stores i think we've been over that mm-hmm. number nine pick your own pumpkin while you're there, pick up some spiders. How thrifty are we being here? Because I'm pretty sure pumpkins are like $3. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty thrifty. Yeah. Well, the, the, 
the final one, number 10, is my favorite and the, the thriftiest of all. Uh, number 10, skip the holiday altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Just don't do Halloween this year. That way you'll save some bucks. Well, the crazy thing about Halloween this year, so Halloween's on Thursday, right? It's a week from the day that this podcast is being released. And uh, even still, like, I'm going to a Halloween party this weekend. Like, it's two weekends of Halloween. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. When it's, yeah. like, when it's midweek, yeah. um, people will definitely celebrate it early and later. But that's what I don't understand, because like it's not really midweek. Thursday is not midweek. Thursday is yeah. late week. Yeah, Thursday's fine. You just got one day left. Go go yeah. to work on Friday, hungover, and well, just go have your Halloween party on Friday. Deal 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 de los muertos, people. <laughs> Come on, sure you can just do it on Friday. Huh? Yeah. Uh... Yeah. So um, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm gonna be. I my favorite uh. My favorite costumes are the kind of the topical ones. Yep. Like Somali Pirate was a good one. Chilean Miner. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, yep. exactly, because he died. Right before that. Halloween. So I think I want to go, I want to be a, a pirate mm -hmm. who is dressed up like a British soccer hooligan. <laughs> oh, that's very topical for this podcast. Yeah. Um, Follow-up question. Would anyone understand what the hell I was going for? <laughs> I don't know. I think that you should uh, – I don't know. You should You should uh, be dressed up like a congressman but wear mittens so you can't really do anything. Oh, go as a, as a shutdown. Yeah, go as a shut – go as the government shutdown. <laughs> I'll just dress up as uh, the Capitol building. Perfect. And anytime anyone talks to me, I'll just collapse to the floor. <laughs> yeah, I love the I love the acting costumes. It has a <laughs> has a move you have to do with it. Yeah, I I, it. I'm not I'm not as good as you are. I'm definitely not as good as you are when it comes to Halloween costumes. I just love Halloween, dude, and I I love the costume element. But yeah, I'm I'm just such a procrastinator. Yeah, and yeah. I've been in your boat. That's what that's why I do this stuff like super early. Because I don't even have to worry about it. And also, things get more expensive the closer you get to Halloween. Yeah. So, like, if you're ordering the Batman replica uh, <laughs> Dark Knight belt off of Amazon in July, it's only, like, $8. Mm -hmm. So get that shit while it's hot. Yeah. Maybe I should go as um, Tasha giving birth. Oh, no. Since it's exactly a year ago. <laughs> there was the year where Jordy and Jill were us, which was a great costume. And it made me feel extremely flattered. That was that was really good. So maybe you should be Tasha, and Tasha should be you. There you go. I she can it. be me a year ago. <laughs> Playing Halo Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, to the listener, if you have any ideas for what Jesse should be for Halloween this year, please uh, give us an email, personalarians at gmail .com, or leave us a voicemail at three six zero. Three six two zero zero two four. Jesse, I'm going to move on to my first topic, and it has to do with movies. Do you know what nemesis means? It's movie time, buddy, and uh, we teased this last week, but uh, you saw a little movie called Gravity this weekend. 
I did. In three dimensions. Three dimensional? Where did you see it at? Paulsbo. Oh, you went all the way down to Paulsbo. I was wondering if it was playing at the Rose. I went. It was playing at the Rose, but mm. uh, my lovely sister bought me a uh, like two tickets mm-hmm. and ten bucks worth of popcorn kind of coupon. Nicely thing. done. So we first we drove to Bremerton, dropped off Russell Nisha, then drove to Paulsbo, then watched the movie, and then drove back to Bremerton, and then drove back to Port Townsend. Well, that's a direct route. Yeah, it was only three hours of driving. <laughs> Movie. Oh, Kitsap County traffic humor. Uh, really relevant to our listeners. and Especially the ones in Dublin. <laughs> totally. Uh, I love that theater, though. I saw, I've seen tons of movies at that theater. That was like my high Me school. Too. Anyway, uh, Jesse, initial thoughts on Gravity? Uh, I guess I wish it hadn't been hyped up so much. Mm. I thought it was... Good. It's like better than a lot of movies that right. I've seen. Pro- definitely better than the average movie. Right. But um, I didn't think it was great. Okay. I I love the analogy that um, that one of my friends posted on Facebook. He's like, I saw Gravity this weekend, but I really think they should have gone with their original title. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah, because that's basically what this is. <laughs> But I mean, talk about a suspenseful movie. There's there's something that's happening in Hollywood, and it's happened over the last two years um, in a really big way. And it's these really critically acclaimed, really uh, reality based movies. And I I mean, this movie is based in reality, even though it takes place in outer space. And there's a lot of things that are semi unrealistic about it. Um, But then Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) <laughs> but uh well i mean I, I, first of all we everybody's seen the movie now so if yeah if we're, gonna, ha- let's we're gonna just spoil the spoil shit out it. of it yeah yeah um but uh but this movie and argo are two movies that are extremely suspenseful and this what this movie uh reminded me of the most was argo and i, I don't know if you've seen argo I did see Argo. It, that is a movie that is like super intense as well, and it's like I Edge of the Seat. I don't know that I. I don't know. I didn't get. <laughs> I didn't. I. I feel like in the last uh, year, uh-huh. and I could I could definitely think of why this happened, but my my entertainment tension uh-huh. uh, receptor is just turned off. Ah. Like I did. I wasn't tense about this movie. You, you weren't I, tense I about. About gravity? No. And you weren't tense about Argo either? No, they were both just like stuff happening. You might you might be a robot. <laughs> you might be a robot. I literally uh, think that Argo that's is what like what I was talking about when I decided <laughs> yeah. to get the cybernetic implants yeah. in my brain. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you upload your entire consciousness to the internet, mm-hmm. there are some side effects. Uh, I, Argo was like a movie that I thought was like the most expensive movie I've ever seen in my life. Well, here's the thing about Argo. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> like, they get out. They get out. Yeah. Oh, and, I mean, and everybody knows that they get out. Right. Like, and I, for some reason I have such a hard time with that shit because like, it's the same thing with Breaking Bad. Like I know now the series is over. I know that Walter White at least lives until the last episode of the series. 
Mm-hmm. You'd think that this would alleviate the stress that it causes me when his life is in peril in this television show, but it doesn't. I'm still, like, really worried for him the entire time. And I know that him and Jesse, like, make it to the end of the series. So, like, uh, I don't know. Well, one of them does. Hey, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, they're at least alive till the last episode. I don't know what happens then. But obviously they built this show around them, so... Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's hard for me to separate that in my mind though, from like the, uh, from, from, you know, I know that it's, I know that this is all going to work out, but I'm still really caught up in the suspense of this, but gravity is a movie where you don't know if it's going to work out. Right. You don't. In fact, there's a part of the movie where she, yeah. And there's a part of the movie where she gives up. Yeah. Right. And then she has the hallucination of George Clooney. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't spoil that for me. Which, if I had a nickel for every time I've hallucinated about George <laughs> Clooney. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> I, but, you know, basically the movie is just like everything goes wrong. And and it, and it tells you that right at the beginning of the movie. It's, you know, basically in space life is impossible. They put this right. quote up at the beginning and they're like... Everything's going to go to shit in this movie. You can't hold on to anything. Like, I love the use of uh, weightlessness in this movie. Yeah, all the, all the like... I, see, this is one of those movies where I honestly mm-hmm. couldn't tell, like, what was CGI and what wasn't. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was, like, 100% CGI. It was. It looked really good, yeah. and the way um, items were, like, floating around and ricocheting, like, that one point where... She loses her drill because it just kind of floats off, and you're right. like, no, 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 no. And that's, um, this whole movie is just like, because... Yeah, it, it was a great, like, it was like a simulator. It was like a space simulator yeah. of what just doing stuff and, like, trying to survive in space would actually be like. Yeah, I mean, that's what this thing captures better than, I think, any other movie, is how weightlessness actually works in space. Right. So, yeah, it was really good, especially like the the explosion. Yeah, like those little puffs of fire like coming off. It's like, wow, that's crazy. I never even thought about how like fire would work in a weightless environment. Yeah, exactly. How it kind of floats around, and then it's like an or like a floating orb kind and, of. And when her leg gets caught up in the uh, in the parachute on the space capsule, and he has to let her go. That I didn't understand why that happened. Because like, why was well, he still moving? the opposite direction well so the craft was pulling it one way the craft is going in one direction he was connected to her pulling her in the opposite direction so right. he was pulling her uh away from the craft so and here's what the amazing happens, thing like, about this is that they're all moving at like thousands of miles an hour like it's basically you're sitting in a car like you know we can sit in a car and go 60 miles an hour and still be able to look in the back and ruffle through a bag. They're going like thousands of miles an hour around the earth Well, while all of this is happening. Yeah. I don't know if they're going thousands of miles an hour. They're absolutely going thousands of miles around of an hour around the earth because they're, they're because they're going through orbits. They're like or, or, orbiting around the earth. You're going yeah. super, super fast. Um, I'll, I'll look it up. Just <laughs> okay. Uh, but here's the thing. So, like, if for, if you haven't seen it, like, um, she gets, uh, like, lost at space, and he has this little mm-hmm. chair with uh, gas thrusters on it, and he, like, 
lat- latches onto her and is pulling her towards the space station that's kind of going to be their refuge. And they overshoot it, and he, his chair runs out of gas. Right. And um, <clears throat> but then she, she like gets all tangled up in these ropes. Yep. And there's the tether between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But they've stopped. Well, like, that's the thing is that they haven't stopped. So I just looked it up. The International Space Station is going. Uh, its average speed is seven point six six kilometers per second. It's going seventeen thousand one hundred miles per hour around the Earth. Huh. So that's the speed these guys are traveling too. And it just—I mean, the, okay. I I guess that makes sense. He just had so much like stored energy that right. But that, like, how? Why was she able to stop? I. <laughs> she stops when well, when they get tangled up yeah. she stops but he doesn't well it's the same reason that so she gets tangled up first then he then he grabs onto her latches onto her because she throws him the line so then he grabs the line so she becomes the ful- that fulcrum between them so she has already been stopped by the space station but he is being stopped by her and now the space station is giving way to her because of the friction of the of the ropes, so he's pulling her away. I don't know. I don't. There's a period of time where they are both stopped, but and there's then but there's when still they moving. de-latch, they move different directions. Yeah, because he's still moving in a different way. But they're connected. <laughs> they're connected that's and stopped. I, that's, I think that that's what this movie is trying to establish: is like everything is out the window when you're in space. Like things that seem like they should work just don't fucking work. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I thought I thought that was really interesting. Now, now, part of this movie, along with being oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, is that I felt like this movie was just a huge metaphor for being born. Yeah, and, and it obviously, obviously was. And obviously it's rebirth, but... It, it's rebirth after right. tragedy. There's a scene yeah. where she's obviously a fetus floating around. Yeah, like she's rotating around and she's got a there's like a, a cable that is yeah. right in the place of an umbilical cord. Like that's when she finally gets inside of the space station that she's trying to get to. The first space station that she's trying to get to. <laughs> um but it's not only that. Like so first of all there's like a bunch of them floating around and then she's the only one who enters the capsule. So like that's like what's that? Oh, yeah, they're like a bunch of spermies. Yeah, they're like a bunch of astronauts. There's an explosion. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where you're going with this. There's an explosion, right? Uh-huh. And then that is what... <laughs> that's what sends all this chaos around. Now suddenly, now suddenly they're all flying through space, and all of them die except for her once she enters the capsule, which is an basically the An explosion from egg. a rocket, which is about as phallic of an object <laughs> as you can Exactly, make. right? Um... Uh, you know, a rocket penetrates a uh, a satellite. Uh, anyway. Satellite are such vaginas. Yeah, satellite is totally a metaphor for vagina. Uh, anyway. Um, so anyway, all the sperm die, and they're all, all in their little white suits. <laughs> and then she gets into the... <laughs> she gets into the space capsule, and that's the most blatant, like, in the fetal position with the umbilical cord. Uh, I don't really know about all the fire and stuff. Uh, and then, and then all that. Uh, but finally, when she gets to the, <laughs> once she gets to the, the final, the Chinese space capsule and it's entering the earth's atmosphere and then she starts going down into the ship, it's like an extremely traumatic experience, right? She's 
basically leaving one world and going to another. Once she crash lands into the ocean, um, she takes off her spacesuit, but then opens the door and then it starts sinking down and she starts drowning. Right. And she, mm-hmm. uh, she, she can't breathe, which is like, basically the, the metaphor that I got from that was that it's like a baby. Like all of a sudden you've been living in this liquid environment, this right. weightless liquid environment for like a long time. And now all of a sudden water is your enemy and you can't breathe in it. And so you have to go up into the air. Right. You're taking your first gasping breaths. Right. And then she emerges. She, like I said, takes her first gasping breaths and then and to, heads to the earth. It's like, I, th- you know, obviously the rebirth metaphor is there, but I thought it was like, once I saw the umbilical cord scene, I was like, oh, this thing, whole thing is like just birth. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, it, you know, if you're contacting other people, there's like the scene where she's talking to like the Mongolian guy on the AM radio feed mm-hmm. and it's basically yeah. a language you can't comprehend, but you ha- hear like this, you know, outside, um, outside speech. You hear these outside sounds that are outside of your environment, but you, you can't communicate with them. Stuff like that. Right. I feel like it really went heavy on that rebirth metaphor it went really heavy on it um um i and again it's it's the rebirth like refinding yourself after tragedy mm -hmm. uh moving on and everything right but i'm wondering if it isn't also a little a tiny bit of a metaphor of panspermia what's that like well like the idea that life on earth originated somewhere else Uh uh-huh as somewhere else in space and like came from another planet and propagated on earth i kind of felt like that I, I would I could totally see where you're coming from there, but I would say that this would discount that because it shows how impossible life is outside right. of the atmosphere. It, yeah, life's impossible in space, but it's possible on different areas outside of space. That's true. Traveling I could between see that. them. I could see that. And, and yeah, literally traveling from station to station to station because there are three yeah. different stations that she goes to Yeah. Um, in this. God, and yeah, dude, and just that fucking scary-ass goddamn broken-up satellite that she has See, to encounter I didn't get every... enough of that. I okay. didn't get enough satellite to really satiate my bloodlust. And um, <laughs> they, they killed the Indian guy off in such an unsatisfactory way. Uh-huh. I want to see, like, pieces of satellite, like, tearing through the spacesuit and, well, you know, entrails drifting off into the distance Yikes. and stuff. It, it was so, it was like, it was like PG-13 death by sta- space debris. Well, as soon as you crack the suit, you just freeze automatically. Not if, uh, before you freeze, a you know, a computer chip lodges itself in your windpipe. And then it immediately freezes. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. I'm saying it, they didn't portray the Little, death. Not enough action, enough. guys. Not enough fucking action. Well... I, uh, yeah, exactly. Not enough action. Not a ton uh, of plot, really. Uh, yeah, you're. I guess you. I guess I could see that, but it's the definitely plot was suspense. Just Try and live. Yeah, exactly. See, this is like. I feel like this was. They were just showing off what they could do. I just. I felt like <laughs> it was a little hollow, like from a storytelling point. Honestly, uh, I just thought sometimes you just want to get on that suspense ride and just write it, and that's what I. That's how I felt this movie was. Yeah, it was cool. No, I I mean, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm j- So, <laughs> the whole time I was watching that movie, I was just thinking about FTL. Because <laughs> 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 it is so much like FTL. And I was thinking, 
if they do a movie just like Gravity, except about the game <laughs> FPL, it would be the perfect space rip war and action adventure movie because FPL is like. And then, again, oh, like, I get suspense playing FTL, because that's a game where it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, you're managing a bunch of different things. It's a, a lot like Gravity. It's like, you have an, a percentage of oxygen. Like, when she was counting down her mm-hmm. oxygen, I was like, totally like FTL. When she was in that space station, it starts exploding, and she, like, closes the hatch. I'm like, just like FTL. <laughs> so, I think if you could combine the, that, the game, FTL, with that, and make a movie about it, it would be just the best space movie action adventure <laughs> shoot 'em up bang bang with explosions and cool stuff ever all right well uh what how many middle fingers do you give in this movie i give it a mm, i give it one one and one and a quarter <laughs> i'm giving this thing two middle fingers way up okay. also watch it in 3d i think this is a movie that really speaks well to watching it on the big screen in 3d yeah, totally. No. I, I think I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much if I didn't see it in 3D. And that's the other thing. So Alfonso uh, Curaron, uh, I don't know if that's exactly how you say his name, but um, this he's a guy who directed this. He also directed Children of Men. And the thing about his movies is, like, they always have the happy ending. Like, he's he's able to... <laughs> Did you watch Children of Men? Well, it, but but they accomplished their goal. Like, I know that Clive Owen dies at the end of that movie, which, spoiler alert, but that movie's fucking old, so give me a break. He dies at the end of that movie, but... Um, yeah. but she makes it to the boat. Yeah, like, yeah the goal does. is achieved. Yeah, that's the other thing about right. gravity is when like she was in that little pod, has a little control over where it's landing, just conveniently lands <laughs> in water and soft mud right next to the well, shore that you could swim to. I was like, that's the luckiest break. <laughs> well, I also thought that like I want to see gravity too, where she has to survive on the island. <laughs> Because, like, you're not out of the woods yet. You're literally wearing your underwear. You're you're covered in water, and you're about to go live in the jungle for however long until they can, you know, locate you and find you, which is going to be at least, you know, six to eight hours at the very least. When she's going in, you know, and you hear on the radio, it's like, Houston, we are, uh, we are dispatching an emergency rescue mission. Mm-hmm. It would have been great if she'd, like, swum up and was treading water, right? And then, like, pans down and, like, a hammerhead shark, like, bumps into her leg. And she's like, oh, no. And then, like, the water, the camera goes back up above water and there's, like, Somali pirates. Ah, fuck. <laughs> I should have stayed in space. Roll credits. <laughs> she, she has a one-liner. Yeah. I should have stayed in space. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, I really enjoyed it, though. I mean, this guy might be my favorite director. He does some good stuff, man. I mean, he's right up there. And both Children him, of Men is my favorite movie. Excellent. Yeah, and both him and Guillermo del Toro from Mexico, like really, really accomplished, great filmmakers from Mexico who are doing original stuff on screen. I think it's a, I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, roll D six here. We're gonna do some trivia. Uh, Genius one trivial pursuit. And I rolled a six, which is sports and leisure. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, Jesse, this question is for you. Please play along at home. Who canoed? Oh, sorry. I I do not know what this word is. K-A-Y-O-E-D. Okay. K-A. Who coyote Joe Lewis in 1936 and was coyote by him in 1937? K-O'd? 
Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> I guess I've never. Oh God, yeah, that's, that, that is just totally like K what it is. dot O apostrophe D. Exactly, K O K A Y O E D. It's like how M C is like E M M C E E. Now I feel stupid and outraged. <laughs> okay, what what was the question? Who KO'd Joe Lewis in nineteen thirty six and was KO'd by him in nineteen thirty seven? Thirty six and thirty seven. Uh, I um Joe Lewis and um uh Joe Jackson. I'm gonna say Jack Johnson. Max Schmelling. Hmm. See, these are all names that I know, but if you ask me... You know Max Schmeling? I have heard of him, yeah. I think, I think he performed my uh, my friend's bris. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think he operated on your deviated septum. This question is for me. What jockey was nicknamed Banana Nose? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of deviated septum. Oh, God. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, Mighty Joe Young. I gotta say, John ja- John Jackson, <laughs> Eddie oh, Arcaro, Eddie Arcaro. These are really epic names for the world of sports. <laughs> All right, this question Our for you. Our one ninety-year-old listeners screaming at us. <laughs> yeah, the nursing home uh, weekly nursing home listening party is super pissed at us right now. <laughs> uh, Jesse, this question is for you. What's the game of Conkers played with? C-O-N-K-E-R-S Conkers Oh man that is Super wicked familiar I want to say like um, uh, Croquet balls right, I'm just going to go cards Chestnuts I was closer <laughs> geographically Chest, chest. I Geometrically. Alright, this question for me. Who played 2,137 or 2,130 consecutive baseball games for the New York Yankees? I'm going to go with Willie Mays. I'll say DiMaggio. Lou Gehrig. Really? Oh. And he had to retire because he had Lou Gehrig's disease. That's, no kidding. That's the truth. Um... Well, that's another thrilling installment. Today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the planet, and that means we get to move to a geography tiebreaker. Whoever is geographically closest to the answer wins. Jesse, you get to answer first. What is the world's largest sea? The world's largest sea? And we're talking like a body of water, not the sea word? Yes, S-E-A. Okay. I was going to say Canada. Um... Is it? God, now I feel really stupid. But is it the Mediterranean Sea? Uh, I I would think that would be it. But I'm going to go South China Sea, the Mediterranean. Okay. <laughs> For a second there, that was, was like... one of those ones that seemed too easy. <laughs> For a second there, I was looking at uh, Sports and Leisure still, and the answer was Bill Russell. <laughs> the Bill Russell Sea. The Bill Russell Sea. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, Jesse, you win everything this week, which means it's your time to talk again. All right. Um, speaking of space, let's talk about science. Yeah, yeah. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Great, Scott. Great, Scott. Great. 
introduction. <laughs> so anyway, just a quick aside. I was watching Ancient Aliens. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't believe that show. And it sucks. I used to love the History Channel so much. Even when it went through its Hitler phase, mm-hmm. where it was like nothing but Nazi documentaries. Yeah, At but least I mean, it's like real history. Right, it's know? real history, and it's it's still World War II, which was their bread and butter. Yeah. So I was watching this thing, and it was like about Buddha. It was like, uh, so Buddha went to this river, uh, this raging river, and then magically appeared on the other side of it. And then uh, it cuts to that guy with the weird hair. He's like, so this was documented, and there are witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> and that he was able to appear on the other side of the river. Right. And um, so are we s- supposed to believe that this was a miracle? Of course not. <laughs> it, it's like, obviously, it was space alien technology. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, I was so pissed off. Yeah, I mean, re- religious texts are never about miracles, dude. <laughs> whole idea that it definitely <laughs> happened, but it's not God, it's space alien. It's just like, you can't, you can't it's the same selling thing. Ad, dude, they're selling ad space, man. This is the they're same thing. Ad space. I know, it's so bad. And then the other one was like, what if there was a more scientific answer? And then just went into like science fiction mumbo jumbo about mm-hmm. laser beams and stuff. I'm like, that's not scientific. <laughs> There's no science behind what you're saying. Uh, Scientific mumbo jumbo podcast coming up from the Bald Moon Network. I watched about five minutes and like flipped out. (laughs) (laughs) Then I oh the only reason I was watching it was because I had to take my eyes off of that garbage Minnesota New York Giants game. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so uh, getting back to science, Uh uh, the Atlantic Ocean. Is being invaded, Eric. Okay. But it's not by space aliens. It's by Buddhas. It's not by Buddhas. Okay. It's by lionfish. Oh, fucking lion. Those things are scary, dude. They're scary, but they're really gorgeous fish. Beautiful fish. Beautiful but deadly. They're like, if you go to like... um, Like tropical fish stores, they're always Mm. like a couple hundred dollars... Oh, yeah, because they're fucking poisonous as shit. Uh, are they the... They are fucking crazy poisonous. So, because there's one that's the rockfish that looks exactly like it. Dude, the lionfish are poisonous as hell, dude. They're poisonous, they're beautiful. They're poisonous. And they're invading the Atlantic. No. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, apparently there's like a huge uh, invasion, and... Um, Graham Maddox, president and founder of the Ocean Support Foundation, said, quote, the lionfish invasion is probably the worst environmental disaster the Atlantic <laughs> will ever face. BP oil spill, anyone? No, well, here's the thing. They have no, uh, they have no uh, known predators except for humans. Well, These are, the lionfish are apex predators, apparently. I think we know what we need to do here, guys. <laughs> yeah. If we are the only predator, it is our responsibility to put this population in check. Well, that's that's what people are saying. And apparently a uh, lionfish can wipe out 90% of a reef. <laughs> what? They're like the yeah. humans of the ocean. They are the humans <laughs> of the ocean. Fuck. Okay. And uh, so lionfish uh, were first recorded decades ago and they're populated. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in the Atlantic, I guess... They've showed up a couple decades ago, but um, they produce 
30,000 to 40,000 eggs every few days and are sexually mature at one year old. Jesus Christ, they are the humans of the ocean. They, they could, uh, a female lionfish can produce a million offspring a year. Guys, I think that the main thing here is challenge accepted. All right? We've spent the last 10,000 years taking over this globe as the number one parasite <laughs> on it. And, but you know, our, our, our weakness is that we are doing the land thing. If And I, I feel like the lionfish are just coming in, they're throwing down the gauntlet and say, you can have the land, humans, we're going to take the sea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'll see who comes out on top. I generally like to think that with our scuba technology, we have the upper hand, but who knows? Who knows what kind of technology they're working on? Exactly. So, um, apparently, Florida pet owners are blamed. <laughs> Floridians, damn it. So Floridians. This is coming from uh, CNN.com. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, DNA evidence traces uh, all lionfish in the Atlantic back to only six to eight female lionfish. Mm. So there was, there's like the lionfish Eve. So you, so are lionfish native to the Pacific? I, they must be from the Pacific because I guess in the Atlantic they don't have any predators. Ah, oh, dude. Well, that's fine. We just need to make the apex. We need to make the predator of the Pacific a very um, stylish aquarium uh, trinket, and then and then they'll eventually get dumped by bored Floridians into the ocean, and then everything's. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, make the lion, whatever the lion fit, whatever keeps the lion fish in check in the Pacific. Yeah. We need to turn into a fad. Exactly. Which will quickly uh, burn out and end up in the Atlantic. <laughs> exactly. God, this is just crazy to me. Do you know that the real name of the lionfish is the uh, the Paterios? Mm, great Roman legionnaire also. Yeah, yeah. God, this is crazy. I'm, I'm looking at this right now. They're... <laughs> Okay. Across Bermuda, residents are also doing their part to try and take control of the lionfish mm-hmm. pro- population. There are lionfish tournaments and fish fries, and you can what? see Eat 'em to Beat 'em t shirts throughout the island. Oh my god. <laughs> and then uh, this Matic guy uh, says, I don't know if we could stop the lionfish invasion. This battle, this isn't a battle we can win. We can only maintain. Human beings started this problem it's our fault they're here we have to take responsibility and try to fix it or hope we can control it <laughs> all right so i got the predators here uh-huh. we got moray eels okay we definitely need more of those blue spotted cornet fish mm, large okay. groupers like the tiger grouper uh-huh. and the nassau grouper which i believe has got to be atlantic and got to be named after nassau bahamas yeah that makes sense but maybe there just aren't enough we just need some fucking eels man Mm-hmm. Let's get some moray eels. You know, it worked for Ursula and the Little Mermaid. Just get some eels and keep people in check. Yeah, I, I think it's this. I, it's crazy to think that you can just release pets and they're going to take over in a uh, total environment. It's, it's like crazy. the cane toad in Australia. <laughs> it's like every animal in Australia. Like <laughs> you, the you know that Australia is the only place in the world where you can find wild camels. Yeah, I, I did know that. Because some dude was like, there's a lot of desert here, let's use some camels, and then they all got loose, and then now you're like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, now there's uh, rampaging mobs of camels <laughs> exactly. that go from town to town terrorizing. <laughs> oh, so, uh, moving forward to another mm-hmm. story out of NY Times, Yeah, and this is my, my second and final story, mm-hmm. uh, there's a 
private company taking people to space. Let's do now, it. That's not that's not new. Um, there have been like SpaceX and stuff, right? Other, yeah, Virgin Galactic taking millionaires into space. Right. But, I don't think um, Virgin Galactic's done a flight yet. But if there's one thing that gravity's taught me is that I want to go to space. <laughs> yeah, I just what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> So what's it, what's different about uh, this company? So what's different about this one? Instead of going up in like a rocket and getting a couple minutes of space, this one takes you into the upper stratosphere. Right. You're not actually going into technical space, but mm-hmm. the sky above you turns black, Let's and you it. see the curvature of Earth. Love it. And um, they drop you down by deploying a balloon, and you glide down. Not excited. So no, but you get several hours of this instead of just a couple. Of you, how, much, how many hours of weightlessness are we talking about? I don't think there's any weightlessness. Ah, fuck that noise! I'm not going to space unless I can float around. I just want to look at the curvature of space. Ah, come on! How much is this thing? Like twelve million dollars? Like I'm not going to. It's only seventy five thousand dollars, drinks included. Eric. <laughs> drinks included? Yeah. All right, if you could drink. Those like... drinks are the uh, aforementioned twenty thousand dollar bottles of. Uh, Hair of the dog. Exactly. Line. <laughs> I thought that they were, uh, you know, space screwdrivers, which is vodka and tang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So the other, the rocket rides cost between uh, 100000 250000 So this one, you get 25% discount and mm-hmm. you get more time up above as you uh, gently float back down, balloon back down to Earth. I just feel like it's really not worth it unless you're weightlessness. Like, that's all I want. I don't get your whole weightless. I don't want weightlessness. You don't want to fly around? You don't want to float around? You don't want to swim in air? And you can get you can get weightlessness on the Vomit Comet. Yeah, the but that's not where the they same take you up thing. in, like, a Boeing and then do a nosedive and you float around? Yeah, I don't want to do that ever. I would rather do that. I do not want to be in a plane that's nose diving. That's not that's not my idea of any type of fun. <laughs> I want to be able to uh, drink a nice craft beer right. and take a balloon trip down from the upper stratosphere. That's you know, what I want. If you really want this, Jesse, <laughs> you could always just take a red eye if you want to like look out and see dark sky when you're flying through the air. No, but you don't get to see the curvature of Earth being gone. <laughs> Bring a globe. <laughs> or I could just turn off the lights and hang out in my room staring at a globe. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I think it's exciting. Well, I guess so. I just I feel like it's weightlessness or nothing. Here's the thing, though. The space tourism stuff, I think the price... I mean, we're talking, you know, 2010, 2014 prices. I, I think by, like, 2034, the price tag could really come down to something that you could yeah. actually foreseeably do. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just waiting until Disneyland Moon Adventure. <laughs> we're whalers on the moon. <laughs> you take off from Disneyland uh-huh. and then go to the moon and then come back to Disneyland and then go on yeah. the Buzz no, Lightyear. go back to Disney World. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, let's So move. there you have it. We got lionfish. No, we got, we science, got man. I mean, we'll be able to survive the lionfish infestation if we can colonize space. That much is a fact. Yeah, you know, I say give them the, I say give them the planet. We got space. Yeah. Right? It's yours. Plenty of space. All right, I'm going to move on here to a little topic. 
about beer. We're going to go through the aforementioned uh, 10 types of beer drinkers, which was sent to us from JR from Philly. Uh, can't congratulate you enough on joining the marriage, the marriage troop. Yeah, as, as both I Jess got a, I um, so. a beer in the mail today, actually. Say what? I got his wedding beer. Oh, that's what's coming in the mail. I also got... I got a package from UPS from Pennsylvania. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, dude. I yeah. haven't tried it, obviously. It all it came with like 10,000 coasters, too. So thank you, Jack. Oh, dude. I'm so excited. I, I have I have more youngling uh, coasters that I know what to do with. And and could could any of us be as lucky? Right? All right. Let's move on. Uh, JR from Philly. I love you, buddy. Uh, send me a cheesesteak next time. Uh <laughs> All right, so these are the 10 types of beer. First of all, you have the local. So you only drink beer that's brewed in your home state or bordering few states exclusively. Champion of the local craft scene. Uh, And this really sounds like me. Oh, I don't know. Really? You'll drink drink beer from other states. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, I'm mostly Washington, Oregon. That's true. You are. Maybe California. But I mean, if you saw like if you went to a beer and they're like, "We just got this keg from India, Indianapolis," you'd be like, uh, "Sign me up." I w- maybe I have a I have a distinct prejudice against beers from non the West Coast. Yeah, and well, there's good reason for that. Like, if I see a beer that's from New York, I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, that's know. a good. Well, I, yeah, I guess you don't really do the Belgian stuff either, do you? I don't like I. Uh, Colorado's kind of the easternmost I get without feeling a little uneasy about it. And there are four twenty brothers, so it's basically I, the same state. I am the I am the uh I am a consummate homer homer and, and I think that that's been <laughs> expounded upon a lot. And while I love Seattle beers, I mean Oregon is the beer capital of the world, in my opinion. Specifically uh Bend Oregon. So Bend Oregon, baby. Yeah. All right, have well, you, you haven't been there yet, have you? No, my mom lived there for like uh for like years when she was younger. So interesting. Bend is like a boom bust town. Oh yeah. Uh, like if you go back like twenty years, the it was like one tenth the population is today. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's crazy. I, I bet that know. that must have been your the years your mom was living there. Yeah. It's probably a totally different town. But you should think about going next summer, dude. There's no reason not to. How long is the drive? Like six hours. Oof, it's a long drive. I would recommend staying in Portland. Yeah. Oh, well, then totally no deal. Right. <laughs> or you can go through central Washington. Stay in Hood River. Yeah, stay in Yakima, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Palm Springs of Washington. Okay. <laughs> Up next, we got the Old Faithful. Old Faithful. This guy has worked the same job for 10 plus years, orders the same meal every time he goes to the restaurant. Absolutely no one surprised. Always drinks the same beer every weekend from the comfort of a well-worn chair. I am not that guy, and I don't yeah, think you are either. Uh, number three, the critic. This guy is a rolling mess of negativity who, despite having down some of the best beer in existence, cannot seem to say anything good about any beers. I don't think this is either you or I, but I definitely know people like this. I got a splash of it, but yeah, it's my job. Well, I know, but every brewer's got a splash of beer snob, and you do get a little snobbery sometimes, but not at this level. I have, I have met the people who are like, meh, meh. Any beer that you try, meh. 
You know, that's all you need. The appraiser, this guy is the antithesis of the critic who, despite tasting some stuff that a man stumbling through the desert dying of thirst would reject and wave off, loves pretty much everything that passes his lips. I feel like that used to be me. (laughs) Uh, Number five, the clueless one. This guy really wants to be a part of the craft beer wave, really wants to fit in with all of his friends at the bar on Friday night as they take turns sipping from a sampler. But the combination of an unsophisticated palate and a possible learning disability keeps him from grasping the finer nuances of good beer. Um, Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that one's really mean-spirited. I've never met anyone like that. I've never really... If someone's into craft beer, I feel like it's pretty easy to talk about why you like it. Well, and also it's like... Yeah, exactly. Like, everybody likes beer for certain reasons. It's also like... Like, it's the same thing with board gaming. Like, I feel like this is why beer and board games go together so well. It's like, if you're at all interested in the topic, welcome aboard. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's an open boat. Yeah, come on in and let's try some beers or let's try some board games. or Like, this is a this is an open community. Anyone is invited. Right. All right, you got the flavor finder. This guy could also be named the bullshitter. <laughs> this one sounds like you. Uh, oh, his ability. Hey-o. His ability to identify flavors, many of which are not intentionally added to the brew. Borders on paranormal. Yeah, that's... I mean, basically, I'm like, if it's an amber, it tastes like bananas. That's one thing I'm... I I do like an IPA that tastes like a crisp apple. A crisp Granny Smith. tastes like banana. You're crazy. Dude, certain ambers taste like banana like crazy. Well, that's... Hefeweizen tastes like banana. Hmm, Beer Snob is next. That one sounds like someone I know. Oh. Uh, Everyone knows of these guys. Uh, the person just not happy to crack and pour and drink his beer. A guy who cannot control the urge to explain why beers he drinks are vastly superior to the beers you drink. He would never be caught dead with something less than 9.5 ABV, somehow equating alcohol content to quality. I feel like that's where it veers for you, for sure, because you're a big session saison. I'm not know. a beer snob. No. I don't. I don't think that there's any inherent superiority in different beers. <laughs> All right, well, up next is number eight, the beer snob That's snob. Another, just let me get to this real quick. Okay. Um, the whole ABV thing, I feel like there's an analogy to be made between the ABV creep and mm. the uh, Magic the Gathering power creep. Totally. Where everyone just wants to slightly outpace the what came before it, so you get ABVs creeping up and up, and now you can't, like, you can't get an IPA unless it's 7%. It's like, man, I don't... Just bring it back down to five, please. Well, that's the Slayer is the Slayer is seven point four percent alcohol. That's a big beer. The Wassail that I'm drinking right now from Full Sail is seven point two percent alcohol. Yeah, seven percent is a pretty big. That's beer. the barrier. Once you once you cross, I mean, a lot of, for me. Once you cross six percent, then you're starting to creep up pretty high. You're talking about beers that you can get drunk off. Yeah, like five point eight percent. Like I, I, I talked about this last week, the Weed Whacker from Terminal Gravity, four point eight percent. It's the perfect beer to drink. Right. Like I love a session ale. Yeah, me too. But we right. also like to drink a lot. That's true. Up next to Beer Snob Snob, this guy has gotten all the meta. <laughs> this guy has gotten all meta and is snobby about how snobby the Beer Snob Snob. <laughs> That's me. That is you. He is the counterculture backlash against the con. <laughs> Sorry, the con the condescension that permeates the beer world, falling back on non craft beers with lots of folklore like Pabst Blue Ribbon, the National Bohemian. I don't know if that's totally, but but you'll drink any beer. 
I think you I'll are the beer snob snob. Yeah. I think you're the beer I'm snob. A snob. Bit of a beer snob snob, but but I would I say that the beer snob. I don't not drink craft beer because I think that only snobs drink craft beer. I drink a bunch of craft beer. I drink everything. Yeah. Well, I think that they're trying to say the beer snob snob is the hipster, but right. I feel like Jesse, in a lot of ways, you fall into hipster categories without actually being a hipster. Yeah, I, I've dodged a lot now yeah. that I'm a father because a lot of uh, hipster traits are actually just dad traits. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so once I, you pick, it's hard to be a hipster and a dad. You just kind of end up being a dad. That's true. I don't. You could be a hipster dad though if you have like the uh, the uh, you know the the big eighteen uh, hundreds bicycle with the bike seat on the back for your baby. <laughs> So I should get rid of that then. Once again, saying? Portland. Okay, the comparer is next. This guy can't help but compare the beer he's drinking to every other beer he's ever drunk. The first words out of his mouth after a virgin sip of a new brew are always, hmm, this reminds me of. Yeah. I might have a little bit about that, but I don't really think so. And then number 10 is the Brewby. Uh The new guy, the excited guy, the guy who just tried his first Stone Ruination IPA and just can't stop talking about it. A new craft beer fan is born... In the maternity wards of brew pubs every Friday night. Uh, that's this is the thing. Like we talked about, though, it's like you can't hate on these guys because you need people in the boat. Like if yeah, we exactly. want more craft beer, we need more craft beer fans. That's just the, that's just the bottom line. So I like that, but I think that you are the beer snob snob, and I think that I am the local. Yeah, I think so. That's that's good. I My dad's turning into a brewby. That's good. Yeah, he's a. Uh... He's shunned the his uh, lifelong favorite um, of Molson Ice. Uh-huh. He's and uh, now wow. when I come over, there's Hopzar in the refrigerator. You gotta love was, Bridgeport, uh, dude. I I really yeah. like Bridgeport. Um, Hopzar, where once there was Molson Ice, it's great. And you know Hopzar, a local brewery to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um. You're such a snob about it. I'm just gonna drink. You know, Belgian beers were craft breweries way before the 80s and the craft beer boom got popular over here. I don't know why I'm doing like some sort of hybrid. Uh, uh, who's that comedian with the Jello pudding pops? That would be Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to check out this list, it's at the literature and libation.com. Oh, I can't do it. Uh, slash 2013 slash 5 slash 23 slash the 10 types of craft beer drinkers hyphens in between all those words slash. Wow. Great. So get that there. My Bill Cosby impression really fell apart. Well, I think it's time to talk about the Ball Move Network. The Ball Move Network. Go to ballmove.com. Um, right now, Walking Dead is in full swing guys and so uh the watching dead podcast is of course there you kickstarted it and you hit those stretch goals which means that aaron is putting out his survival guide every week for each episode telling you who would actually survive that zombie apocalypse episode not to mention the instant casts that are available it's just if you're a walking dead fan you got to be on ballmove.com and if you know a walking dead fan why haven't you told them about ballmove.com what's the deal man so anyway, baldmove.com. Also, if you're watching Breaking Bad like me, please listen to the Breaking Good podcast in retrospect. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry because you wish that there was more show to be had. Uh, of course, there's also uh, the Because Show, which uh, we did our exchange with. And we are uh, uh, we love those ladies down in Southern California. We have Up Yours Downstairs, which is everything Edwardian. Uh, so if you are into, uh, you know, uh, um, 
what's that show? Downton Abbey or anything like it. Listen to Up Yours Downstairs. Downton Abbey will be returning soon uh, on PBS, and you can hack that shit on uh, the intranet. I'm pretty sure as well. So, uh, and then finally we got get off my running back, which is my football podcast. And if you're not listening to that and you're a football fan, what the hell, man, we got a new guest host on every week this week. The Seahawks are playing this, the Rams on Monday night, which means that we got to get somebody from St. Louis. We got Heath Lynch from St. Louis as the guest host on the show this week. I'm very, very excited about it. So that would be good. I am super stoked. So uh, it won't be a good game, but that'll be a good episode. <laughs> Get off dude, my the crazy back thing about the Rams is that they play the Seahawks hard, and they always have. They, yeah, uh, but I mean, with, with Sam Bradford out, oh, that's true. That ACL is blown. Not to mention the Cardinals are in the World Series, so we might get into a little bit of baseball talk as well. So, oh well, then uh, I won't be doing anything. <laughs> Uh, it'll just be in the put, my, put the guest host on the grill segment. Um, so anyway, that's baldmove.com. Go to baldmove.com and be baldmove.com. Also, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can find us on the baldmove.com Facebook page. We're also on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. Uh, find us at both. Uh, you can write us an email, personalarrogance at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail at 360-362-0024, or you can follow us on Twitter at Personal Podcast Guys. Also, if you really want to help us out, help more arrogance get into this fold, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done so already. That helps us out a ton. It helps us move up those iTunes rankings and helps spread the word about the show and make this rich, rich personal arrogance community even richer. I love you guys, and I love hearing from you, and I just want to hear from you more. So please get in touch with us, guys. Um, let's move on to the Facebook Roundup, another way that you get in touch with us on Facebook. Each week we post, say we're recording tonight, and we want to know what you want to hear us talk about, and this is what happens. Uh, Tanner Barfield says, Can Jesse talk about the differences between top and bottom fermenting? Also... Oh, I, I, I put a little uh, I put a little Easter egg in this post this week. I said, if you were to name a pet marsupial, which marsupial would it be and what should we name it? Just to make sure you guys are actually reading these posts. Uh, so anyway, Tanner Barfield says, can Jesse talk about the differences between top and bottom fermenting? Also, name the marsupial Mr. or Mrs. Hot Pocket, which I love because they have pockets. Jesse, top and bottom fermenting, go. Uh, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, top fermenting is uh ale yeast and it ferments warmer um lager yeast sits at the bottom i think it's just because it's when it's cooler uh the yeast drops down Mm -hmm. and does its stuff down there as opposed to warmer uh yeast so like yeast that ferments warmer releases esters which is part of the flavor profile especially the aforementioned uh, Belgians that have like mm-hmm. banana flavor, or bubble gum, or clove, or whatever—that's all produced by the yeast for many warm, mm-hmm. and uh, it sits on top as it does it. Whereas lager yeast uh, is colder and slower, and uh, sits on the bottom. And the reason you make a hefeweizen with top fermenting yeast is because it needs to be an ale, and it needs those delicious uh, fruity esters to complete the f- the flavor profile. And when you say esters, you mean the shit and pee of yeast. Because that's what we're well, all drinking. Alcohol is the shit and pee of yeast. No, alcohol is the pee of yeast, and <laughs> carbonation is the farts of yeast. But I think yeah. when we're talking about esters, we're probably talking about the direct shit of yeast. Well, I think esters are just like a. I asked I asked someone who's better at science than me and said that esters are just like related to alcohol. Oh, interesting. It's, it's very similar, like mm. on a molecular level. I was wondering if it was more like the armpit sweat of yeast. 
It smells like farts sometimes. Uh, <laughs> get, you get that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jacob Jones Martinez, love you from the Martinez clan, says, can we get links to the Reddit on Reddit slash Wikipedia segments? Uh, which would be a great idea, and I will definitely take that into account as we post these episodes. Jonathan Droz says, favorite American president, Jesse Go. Woodrow Wilson. I'm going to go FDR. Uh, so we got World War One and World War Two covered there. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> Diane Wilson says Jesse's sister had a wombat named Daphne and a possum named Petal. Both are good names for a couple of very cute marsupials. Diane Wilson, what a beautiful lady. Yeah, thanks, Mom. And a mother of Jesse. That's true. Dennis Kleinbeck. perennial um, dedication hero. Yeah, and listener from the first episode. Loyal listener. <laughs> also Diane Wilson in the Personal Arrogance Hall of Fame. Mm. For sure. Congratulations. Dennis Kleinbeck from Germany. Love you, Dennis. Says, a sugar glider named Bob or, or a koala with the same name. So, <laughs> sugar glider named Bob or a koala named Bob for a marsupial. He says, also, does this re- represent the great American beer rest in the right way? There is an amazing video of Triumph, the inf- insult comic dog at the great American beer fest. I would really highly recommend everybody watch it. And uh, I, I loved every minute of it. So. Yeah, I loved it too. I've never been to the GABF, so I can't I can't answer that. But I've been to a lot of beer festivals, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of that. I would hate to be filmed when I was at a beer festival because <laughs> I'm so. usually a sloppy mess. Yeah, but you recorded every week at basically a beer festival called the Personal Arrogance Podcast. This is. You you haven't seen me at beer festival. I get. <laughs> I have. I, it's Strange Brew. Uh, yeah. yeah. Was I drunk when you saw me? I don't think so. Okay, yeah. It's hard to get drunk on, like, jalapeno beer. Yeah, it's true. That's, Strange Brew is the worst <laughs> I get drunk at. Yeah. Although, a friend of the show, Mars, did give me some of his bootleg hooch. Hey, now. Just to warm me up. But yeah, like at Father's Day Fest and at a cast fest, I can get pretty shitty. All right. Well, James Patterson says, best Wikipedia article. Seriously, read about Witold Pilecki. How is it not a major motion picture based on him? Did you read about this guy? No, I haven't heard about this. So Witold Pilecki is a Polish guy who helped found basically the Polish Secret Service during during World War II. Mm-hmm. And he volunteered to infiltrate Auschwitz. No way. Yeah. So he went inside Auschwitz basically to uh, – and then set up an intelligence network within Auschwitz, which huh. is crazy. And then uh, and then was – and then survived, survived Auschwitz himself after setting up an intelligence network, which not only did intelligence but also did stuff like uh, – like supply drops and stuff that they could actually get supplies into Auschwitz and just crazy like stuff like read his Wikipedia. It's insane. And then, uh, when, after world war two, when the Soviet union took over, uh, he was captured, tried and killed. Oh yeah. By the Soviet. What? It's an insane story. I would really recommend reading it. Um, and then for the marsupial, he says, holy crap, bandicoots are a real animal. And I checked it. Yes, they are. Allagash bandicoot and call it Alley for short. There you go. Love it. And then finally, Anthony Pengilinen. 
says, you have you guys heard of the D-Box theaters? I just watched Gravity and D-Box 3D, and that's the way to watch it. D-Box? I have no idea what this is. All right, I'm, I'm going to look it up here. So D-Box is... Uh, D-Box Technologies. Oh, this is a Wikipedia page. Technology... Uh, sorry. Canadian Technology, which designs, manufactures, and markets motion systems intended mainly for the entertainment and industrial simulation markets. So basically, it's like Star Tours, but you're watching a movie, which would be the best way to watch Gravity. <laughs> Selected movie theaters in North America and internationally are equipped with D-Box motion systems. The first feature film to have been encoded with D-Box was Fast and Furious, released April 3rd, 2009. All right. Uh, since then, there have been many releases that have ranked number one at the box office. The Ref, the Renfrew Street Glasgow branch of the UK cinema Cineworld was the first cinema in the UK to introduce D-Box technology. Further, uh, six further cinemas with the Cineworld chain have been purchased by have purchased D-Box seats. This sounds awesome. I would love to. Like, Star Tours is my favorite ride at Disneyland. So, I, I want to do D-Box. I'm going to find where the closest one is to us, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, you should do that. It sounds like you'd have fun. Beat spending $75,000 to look at a dark sky and a no, curved earth. No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, with, Jess, with that, Jesse, let's move on to recommendations and call it a cast. What's your first reco? My first recommendation is... Uh, I forgot to do them. Oops. <laughs> Perfect. Sorry. My first record this week is going to be the All Songs Considered uh, podcast from NPR. I know it's mainstream because it is NPR, but uh, a lot of people have asked on the show about music or about albums we're listening to, and I felt like I was getting into a rut. Um, and then this weekend, my wife and I took a road trip up to Bellingham, and uh, and she played me the All Songs Considered podcast, and it's a great way to listen to new music. It's really good stuff, and it introduced me to a lot of really uh, great albums that are coming out. So uh, the All Songs Considered podcast, I would give it a thumbs up. Cool. Have you thought of a Seco Reco? Uh, no, go ahead. All right, my Seco Reco will be Breaking Bad on Netflix. I'm obsessed with this shit. I'm going to uh, finish the show right now, and then I'm going to go watch an episode. because Yeah. But the thing about this is, like, I cannot imagine trying to watch this show in episodic form because they leave you on such a fucking huge, huge Sylvester Stallone-esque cliffhanger every single episode. And I would tear my hair out trying to, trying to uh, like, stay sane and, and follow the series. Like, I cannot, like, I blazed through season one through season four and a half in a couple weeks, like I could not wait uh, for a long time for each of these shows. So, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, it is an amazing, amazing show. Season three is really where it becomes insanely great. And uh, I've been watching, I've been watching and following Mad Men for a, for a while now. But uh, Breaking that Breaking Bad is definitely one of the most entertaining shows that I've ever ever watched. So. Um, I'm sure yeah, if you're I'm a bald get into movie. it once I finish Frasier. <laughs> yeah, probably a good call. Very I similar. Like season seven of Frasier is crazy. They they made a lot of shows. <laughs> Fair. It's very similar to Frasier. An intellectual. His, uh, you know, basically Marty is Jesse, and uh, <laughs> no, Niles is Jesse. Walter is Frasier. 
All right. Marty's Tuco. <laughs> Marty's Tuco? <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> what's the name of the dog? Uh, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie is Gus. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I'm sure if you've if you've listened to the Bald Move Network, you've watched Breaking Bad, but I can't. That's why I'm gonna be I'm gonna it's be so um Niles Crane as a crystal methamphetamine cook <laughs> for Halloween. Good idea. All right, Jesse, that's a show, man. Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please stay in touch with us once again. Write us an email, personalarrogance at gmail.com. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail, 360-362-0024. This show only gets better when you, the listener, are a part of it. And uh, until next time, remember that wherever you go. Whatever you do. Please stay, stay arrogant. Arrogant. Get off my back. Arrogant.